Greetings, Sits and Sieves, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 61 and was recorded on February 27th and made available for download March 3rd at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. What do we have this week, Jeff? In this week's Squawk Box, we dust off the soapbox for another round of net neutrality. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the Orion minigame, the wonderful world of Star Citizen, 10 for the Chairman, 54, God, 54 episodes, and Around the Verse, episode 33. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we learn all about the Vanduul. And finally, we tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's contributed already, and we hope you consider making a regular donation. The more support we get, the better show we make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Switch Actually, I'm going to need my soapbox tonight. Lennon, if you would be so kind. Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Okay, good. Give yourselves a hand, net neutrality fans. Your marches, emails, phone calls, and tweeterations translated into a three to two party line vote of the Federal Communication Commission. They have classified the internet as a Title II utility. Nice job. Chalk one up for citizen activism. And while you're at it, chalk one up for responsive government bureaucracy. And, hell, I'm feeling generous here. Chalk up one more for former executive bigwigs going to Washington and doing something right for a change. I'm looking at you, Chairman Wheeler. But, and you knew there'd be a but. It ain't over yet. Oh, no. To borrow a nerd analogy, we just blew up the first Death Star and saved the Rebel base. The second Death Star is already under construction in Congress. Remember how I said that the vote in the FCC was along party lines? Well, the two Republican members were, um, how shall I put it, displeased with the result of the vote. And so was the rest of the GOP, who happened to control both houses of Congress. Right now, there's legislation in the works to override the FCC's decision. While this may be a tougher road for the poor, unfortunate corporations, it's not impossible for them to succeed. Also, there are no fewer than three congressional investigations underway, each of them probing the root cause of Chairman Tom Wheeler's change of position on net neutrality. The leading suspect? You guessed it. Barack Hussein Obama. Apparently, this regulatory change brings us one step closer to totalitarianism. To quote the more vocal of the Dunsnamic duo, Commissioner Ajit Pai, <clears throat> we are flip-flopping for one reason and one reason only. President Obama told us to do so. Unquote. 
Well, I suppose if one ignores the four million comment public firestorm, the brutal, scathing treatment from the press, including a brilliant takedown by last week tonight host John Oliver, and the completely plain language instruction manual laid down by the Court of Appeals decision that landed us here, well, okay, yes. Yes, Commissioner Pye, I suppose this could be laid entirely at Obama's feet. You know, I get you, my sunflower state brother from Parsons, Kansas. As a former aide to Senator, now Governor Sam Brownback, Commissioner Pye is honoring a timeless and famous Kansas tradition. Blatantly ignoring the facts, reality, and common sense, and substituting your preferred version of reality instead. You know what? Chalk up one more for dogged stubbornness. Nice. You know... Yeah, you know, we live on the greatest nation of Earth. I mean, our legislature can start three different investigations to find an answer that everybody already knows, but they just don't like the answer. I mean, we know why the guy changed his mind, because everybody told him to. It's such a mystery. It's just a public Mm. outrage and an outcry. can't figure out why a guy in charge of implementing policy for the consumers of the United States would change his mind on this topic. It's just a, a mystery. We ought to get doodly new on yeah, this. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking last Mustang. week. Could be tricky. So, but Jeff, uh, this is this is going to be good for you, man, out there in uh, in the rural areas. Uh, maybe. See, I, I think so. I still believe there are two separate problems here that that need to be addressed. One is to keep oh, yeah. the internet accessible for all and keep it well maintained and low cost. But there's still the need for access by rural Americans everywhere. And I, I will say this, I, I don't care what your political affiliation is. You can be Republican, you can be Democrat, you can be independent, whatever. People understand the necessity for this decision. As Exactly. And as Wheeler stated, just like the First Amendment was not a block to the freedom of speech, it's a guardian. This proposal is just that. It's a guardianship for what every person on earth should have is this kind of access. It's a guardianship, oh, yeah. and that's it. Right. Yeah. This this was grassroots democracy. I didn't think there was much of that left, but we've, we apparently found some. I think one of the other important things to bear in mind as well, which, uh, you know, I'm just going to come in here as the voice of a non-American, is that this is a pretty good victory for the US um, and the internet as a whole. You know, the internet by its very nature is the connection of everyone around the globe. So a threat to net neutrality anywhere is a threat to net neutrality everywhere. And just because the the fight has been won in the first battle on the US side of things doesn't necessarily mean that other places are safe now. So it's still really important if you do live in a country where there is a threat to net neutrality. Now, I know Europe have taken some measures to make sure that internet usage gets classified as the US equivalent of a Title II. But if you live in a country that is outside of the EU or outside of the US, it's still important that you basically keep an eye on your legislatures and make sure that they're not trying to sneak this sort of thing in. Because as soon as one country lets it in, it'll just be a slow, steady decline until it's in everywhere. And because the traffic does pass through most countries going around the world trying to find the shortest route, that will affect the service globally. And so it's important to remember here that we're not just a small local community, not even a, a national community. We're talking an, on an international level here that this has really got to be applied. Yeah, it's, it, otherwise it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. Did you happen to see Verizon's response to this in, in release releases today? They're a little upset. Was this a the one that basically said, we're going to sue? Well, no. One they released in um, a Morse code and the other one they released in teletype text from 1934. Oh, let me see here. Hmm, I'm trying to get the subtle 
trying to get the subtle message here. Oh, are they trying to say that this is a step backwards yeah. for communications advancement? Right. Oh, that's really clever. We are assembled here today to pay final respects to our honored dead. On a more somber note, the entire sci-fi community is saying goodbye to a beloved figure. Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, has passed away at age 83. Deemed the conscience of Star Trek by series creator Gene Roddenberry, he's been with the shows and movies during their entire run, from the rejected pilot back with Jeffrey Hunter to the most recent J.J. Abrams film, and even provided voiceover work for Star Trek Online. And despite playing a green-blooded, goblin-eared half-breed for nearly 50 years, we think we speak for nerds everywhere when we say, of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Others? It's only about 700,000 above from the last one. You know, guys, how is Chris going to afford, you know, his gold plated hubcaps? I mean, seriously, people, let's get back on the stick here. 765,000 star citizens, up about 5,500 from last week, and up about another 4,000 ships on the UEE fleet. Good job. The latest episode of Around the Verse has been released, bringing us all the news from around the UEE. You, you know, that kind of sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in this week's episode, we're brought news that the Orion cockpit is getting a bit of a tweak thanks to the eagle-eyed viewers noticing some things were just not quite right in the concept art phase. The next series of ships to be talked about will be the Misk Hull series, the Starliner, the Espera Prowler, the Endeavour, the Crucible, and the Reliant. We also learned that the UK team have picked up a new gameplay programmer called Gordon McLean, and if there's one thing that we've learnt is that Scottish engineers are always the best for starships. Aye. And finally, the team are hunkering down for 1.1. There's a big push to get it done soon, and so hopefully we'll be getting that to play with very, very shortly. 1.1 already? But we just got 1.0 not long ago. What is all this progress we're having? Well, I, I, they can slow it down a bit because, you know, honestly, every time there's an update... <laughs> Yeah, I spend the next half day trying to reconfigure everything. <laughs> Maybe 1.1 I'll have, like, you know, the, the ability to... to like, you can export loadouts now, but you still have to fool with XML files and directories and stuff like that. Maybe they'll have some sort of, like, you know, file permanence, you know, user file consistency... Uh, feature in 1.1. Or maybe, and I, I really don't wish to kick anything off here, but maybe if you earn enough rec, you can buy an export feature and an import feature. Rent them for a week and see how it goes. Go oh. oh, don't even. No, no, <laughs> fighting words. Fighting words. I don't know if you've listened to the show, Lennon, when you were audio editing it, even though you weren't hosting it, but, you know, yeah, strong I'm feelings. Yeah, I'm so strong. glad I wasn't on these shows. You're just a bunch of whiners, the lot of you. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll have your you'll you'll have your chance to have your say. I think there's some feedback. That's on okay. I've got my flame retardant suit ready. I'm fine. You know, I, I think there's a, a actual episode limit you have to attend before you actually can be critical. 
<laughs> uh, I haven't hit my threshold this month. I don't get an opinion. <laughs> you're, you're, we've, we've taken your opinion card away from you. It's been it's it's been revoked. You, know, right. you have to wait till the, you get a fresh one in March. Well, in that case, I'll just get back to reading some facts then. Some yes, facts. Yeah, why have... not? The new ships that are coming down the pipeline, the the Hull series, are what they're going to talk about next. And I'm a bit of a Misk fan, and I'm really I excited. Noticed, yes. Yeah, I'm really excited about the releases of the Hull C specifically. But for those who don't know, the the Hull series is going to be a complete line of ships from Hull A through to Hull E, with the A being more of a personal transport level, a bit bigger than an Aurora, and it increases in size until you get the E, which I believe is supposed to be the super tanker variant of it. And the C kind of sits halfway between the two as a really large cargo vessel. In the future, I can foresee me melting down basically every other ship I own, possibly including the Mustang, to get hold of one of these. I really like the... uh, Yeah, I, I know that all I've got at the moment are specs, but I'm really quite up for it just by the specs alone. If they completely balls up the concept out there, then no, obviously, I'm keeping the space pony. Well, yeah, but I imagine it's going to look like the Freelancer to some extent, because they've been remarkably consistent on keeping you know, the manufacturer lines kind of looking like exactly you know, similar. And that is what I'm hoping for. Honestly, Tony, I'm not surprised of this. I, I always imagine really? uh, Lennon with a baseball cap on and a toothpick <laughs> in his mouth, and he's doing you know, <laughs> A little bit of trucker's elbow from having the window down. (laughs) (laughs) I am not surprised. All right. All right. In this verse, you're going to need somebody to do everything, right? You've got to have all different jobs. So, you know, if if Lennon wants to be space trucker, we'll fly with him. Keep Smokey's off his tail and the bugs off his bumper. I'm just picturing the opening scenes from Heavy Metal. (laughs) (laughs) It's just... (laughs) Uh, I, I only hope that because you get the jukebox system. If they put that on the ships, I'm just going to have to blast. We've got a great big convoy, you know. As I'm sort of just <laughs> oh yeah, CW it. McCoy, baby. Oh yeah. Well, uh, apparently, also the Gladius and Retaliator. They're going to make use of the new damage shader. They're going to be hangar ready. At least the Retaliator yes. will be uh, in 1.1. Gladius apparently will be flight ready, and it's going to uh, premiere the new damage system. So if you have friends, tell them to hold your Gladius real still as you blow off pieces of it. Yeah. Purely for the art, you understand, not through any Purely for intent art, of wanting yes. to blow up your friends. No, no, we wouldn't condone that. Either. Well, we might no, because then the people might call us out to go and rescue them, but that's a whole different ballgame. Audio design process for the Moby Glass. That sounds pretty cool. Maybe that will be your jukebox on the on the space trucker. Well, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, they had a, a guy just known as Phil from the audio team here in the UK. Phil Harmonic? Uh, oh, that, if that was his last name, that would be brilliant, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, good old Phil Harmon. That's what we're going to have to call it. I don't care if it's not his name. That's what we've christened him as. That is what it is mm-hmm. staying as. Mm-hmm. He was telling us the inspiration for the Moby Glass sound effects, how he's looking through nature at you know, things like insects and leaves and water and all this sort of good stuff. And obviously it's got the word glass in the title, so they're trying to find glass-based sound effects, I guess, you know? Like bugs hitting glass. Yeah, you know, water hitting glass. glass. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And uh, one thing that they're really keen to create is a brand identity for the company behind Moby Glass. And they were saying that one of the struggles that they're having is trying to find something that's serious enough that you can, you know, when you switch it on in combat, it doesn't detract from the atmosphere because you know you don't want like okay cover my six and Moby Glass you know it's really going to take you out of the environment but equally no 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 let's let no stop right there hold on just a minute because I mean think about it not everyone's going to be a combatant right but every basic Moby Glass should have some basic combat features available to it 
I would think that if I were a space trucker, I would want a Moby Glass on my everyday routine would be sort of, you know, pleasant and nice. Just because I'm in a situation where the Moby Glass maybe isn't, you know, geared for that, I don't think that should change. Right. Hey, <laughs> hey partner, look over to your left. There's someone's going to kill you. You know, I mean, if with a space trucker Moby Glass. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the kind of the point, though. Uh, no, no, no. I, I think they should do the sound effects. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. That's that's the one. That's the one for you know. If you're if you're the weekend warrior, yeah. Moby Glass, finish him. But I think this is the point that they were trying to make is that they're trying to strike a balance between the two extremes. Because and I'm uh, saying I'm oh. saying they can afford to knock the slider over a little bit. I'm saying yeah. they can knock that slider over a little bit for some of the brands. Although, how great would it be? You know, you're in a big battle. It's that whole red versus blue pirates <laughs> trying to take over the space station. All of a sudden, one of them switches it on Moby Glass, and all of a sudden, you just don't feel like fighting anymore. Let's just hug it out. I Come just, on, let's just yeah, you know. hug it out, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like it's, a, it's like the, the Christmas the, the Christmas ceasefire in World War One. You know, like no, it's the, the chimes. I heard the chimes. I heard yeah. the bells. Now we we got to take a break, man. This week saw the release of something kind of new from the Turbulent team, who released a browser-based mini game called Alone in the Verse. L O A N. This point-and-click game lets you scan the local area, survey, drill, and prospect with various mining drones, all in the name of ore collection. Once you've got a decent amount of ore, you can sell it on the market. Also, you can pay back a six hundred thousand UEC loan. Initially, the minigame was delayed due to a number of bugs, a couple of which were game-breaking. meant you couldn't even get close to completing the game. Finally, after a few hours, they had everything worked out. The game's now stable. While it's not representative of the final state of mining in Star Citizen, it's nonetheless a cool, neat little tie-in to the universe. Yeah. Have, have either of you guys managed to get through it all yet? No, I didn't get through it. I did play it at lunch today, but uh, you know, I only made like 1,500 credits and then I was stuck. Right. So. I mean, once once I got into it, it's you can build up quite a good rhythm on everything. And um, it took me about half an hour to pay off my loan. I think I was on like 30 minutes. I wasn't really watching the timer all too much. But there are some people on the forums who are effectively speed running it, as you're likely to get with everything. But I believe that the record at the moment stands at about 22 minutes, which no doubt would have been completely obliterated by the time this podcast comes out, making everything I say wildly infactual. I haven't tried it yet. Lennon, for the benefit of other listeners who might not have tried it yet, what, what, do, what, do, you, what do you do? What's the mechanics like? When I say it's a browser-based game, it's very much um, a series of buttons. There's no real graphics per se or anything like that. In fact, if you've played Star Trek Online and you're thinking of like the mini-games for like dilithium mining or uh, waveform matching, that's way advanced for what this thing is. Um, oh, it's effectively okay. a set of timers and buttons. In, um, you push button one and it will scan the area and the scanner will go down and down and down. Then eventually it will say, oh, a new site has been discovered. And then you can hit the drill button and that goes down and down and down. And, down. and then you hit the prospect button and that goes down and down. And down. You send out your drones. You've got to try and do it before the situation in the area becomes tense or hostile or peaceful or whatever. You've got to try and like time your drones to go out and collect at the best possible time and all this sort of thing. So it is a little bit involved, but it's by no means like... You know, you're not going to be loading this up and playing this every minute of the day, I don't think. You know, it's not like a browser-based kind of RTS-type thing or even anything ah. as, as in-depth as Angry Birds, you know. Um, it's very much a... Uh, here's, here's the... Here's, uh, I think it's got a tab that was called Bridge and another one that was called Drones. And so the Bridge just shows you your Bridge command. So it's kind of... Uh, I don't want to say like Artemis, but it's that sort of feel. You've got a console. You haven't got yeah. a game, as it were, in the traditional sense. Okay. But yeah, it's it, it still nonetheless. Once you, like I said, once you get into the swing of it, it is you know quite engaging, 
and it certainly held my attention for half an hour, so that's all good. And you do get a uh, a little icon, a little forum icon that you can use at the end. Like you know how if you if you're a flare, yeah, yeah flare. That's it. If you're a subscriber or you own a freelancer or you're a completionist or whatever, or if um, you beat the other mini game, yes, or if you beat the other mini game, which you can get, which I really want that one as well. And I don't usually go in for achievements, but it's just because it says cartographer, and um, that's right. I've registered a guild called Deep Black Cartography, so I kind of feel I owe it. To go out there and get it. Yeah. 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 Well, at least you'll, that game will be crowded right now because that was the one that came out with the Carrick a yes. month ago. So uh, you'll have that game all to yourself. Yep. The arcade will be quiet. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, I mean, we've had it, like you said, we've got the Carrick minigame. We've got this minigame. What other minigames do you think you would like to see kind of in an outside of the this type? Well, we got to have a space trucker game. Well, yeah, that would be quite cool. I mean, because we're going to have the whole series coming up. And we got to have a search and rescue. Uh, here, here's a game. So you, you kind of do a plot grid, you know, like the old Star Trek game. A search and rescue game. You know, you get a call. You receive oh, a call. Oh, Minesweeper you, style. Yeah, yeah, Minesweeper style. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah that, that would be good for the search and rescue. The trucker game would be like more like, more like a, you know uh, hauling stuff back and forth. Like you have to get a certain number of weights, you know, a certain number of freight units or whatever, and it needs to go here, and that'll take so much fuel, and you know, send it off, and, and hopefully you make money off of it. That would be fun. I like the minesweeper for search and rescue. What are the other ships that are coming out soon? Oh, the Herald, the Drake Herald. Some sort of information waveform matching, like on Star Trek, like you were talking about. Yeah, that'd be. Good. I mean, at the moment you've got like sort of let's just do a million retweets for publicity style thing, which I'm not really classing as a mini game at all, but something where you would, yeah, like you said, match up the waveforms, like on Star Trek. Or with the Herald, I always thought it'd be quite good if you were doing some sort of uh, data encryption that you'd basically have to go through a maze or something like that to try and unlock the key. Yeah, you know, something works. like that. Ideas abound, and uh, possibilities are, of course, endless. And uh, we're just hoping that uh, they actually get you know, the rest of the actual game out, so that the main games aren't the only. <laughs> well, luckily, this is all being built by Turbulence, who are the web team. So, right, the web team, right? Yeah, not the not the devs. Okay, good. Yeah, the the one thing that I do want to say though is that I hope that they don't go too overboard with it because you could end up in a position where you've effectively got like mini game poisoning. There's just so many on offer that they all become boring. Yeah, well, I mean, I, but I think they're meant to be like a like a, a short term. Yeah, thing. like like I said, no no one does the Carrick game anymore. I don't think it's the replayability is not great on it. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's just a little it's a snack. You know, here's the in flight peanuts. Here you go. Get your real food at the restaurant when you land. This week saw the release of another new venture by CIG. This time it was the first in a series of monthly videos called The Wonderful World of Star Citizen. Jared Disco Lando Huckabee brings us his highlights of the amazing fan-created content available in the verse. And this episode features... Us! Excuse me whilst I blow our own trumpet for a bit. Ah, thanks. Alongside the best damn Space Sim podcast ever were a whole host of other videos and podcast series featuring Pieces of Eight, a short drama about piracy and boarding, Trendane's reading of Galactic Guides, and North Star Calypso's ship designs. If you're looking for great fan-created content, then you should check out The Wonderful World of Star Citizen over at the official RSI website or through the links in our show notes. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last week, uh, just in, in, sort of in passing, and at the time we recorded it, uh, we hadn't seen it yet, but uh, it, it released the same day our show released. So, But now we've seen it, again, congratulations, Disco Lando. Hope you've uh, gotten many more of these lined up. We'll be happy to showcase additional guard frequency productions 
later on. You know, mm. we'll wait our turn, give everyone else a chance to kind of run through. And we'll be back. We'll be back on the show, I'm sure. Ten for the Chairman, episode 54, was let out of the hangar and sent into the big wide verse. For those of you who don't know, 10 for the Chairman is where Chris takes 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us all the answers straight from the man at the top. This week, two pretty interesting things came up. Firstly, we learned that the projectile modelling in the game is, much like everything else in Star Citizen, being fully physically modelled. This means that each weapon will handle differently, gravity will affect different weapons in different ways, and so on. Whereas most games would usually raycast the bullet's intended path, which basically means that they take a point from the gun and draw a straight line out from where it is and then have it ricochet off something else without a bullet actually leaving the gun, and then every model that it passes through, it would register as a hit on the bullet's journey. CIG are going a bit of a different route, and they're actually implementing physical bullets that will fly through the physical space, leading to much more realistic gameplay. The second neat thing concerns the number of people you can fit on your ships. So, as Star Citizen is primarily a first-person game, even when we're in our ships, it means that we're able to get into situations where you can travel on anybody else's ship, regardless of the fact that they may not have an actual space, or whether it would be comfortable for you in real life. So, you could physically stuff 50 people into the back of a freelancer and still fly about. This would, of course, play havoc with the instances. Normally, an instance will hold 50 to 100 people, and the individuals transferring into an instance are handled individually, but a group of 50 showing up in the back of a freelancer will cause a systems management nightmare. So, Chris lets us know that initially there won't be a limit on how many people you can fit inside your ship, so if you wish to operate the Tokyo bullet train in space, then you go right ahead. However, if it becomes too problematic, then they'll start implementing a life support and CO2 levels monitor aboard your ship, which will naturally limit the number of people you can safely carry throughout the verse. There may be a line here where they just shouldn't go for realism anymore. I mean, uh, I mean, all the bullets flying through space and all the people you could cram into an instance. I mean, there may be whole bunches of ways to break this game that uh, <laughs> that this this attempted realism might be uh, might might go a little too, a little farther than they might have uh, planned on. So theoretically, if I fire a bullet at a Vandal scout and it misses. It can literally keep going on and on and on and on until it hits Lennon. I mean, until it hits something. <laughs> well, this yeah. is this is one of those things that's often come up in discussions around sci-fi shows. Like, you know, you watch shows like Battlestar Galactica, where a Cylon base star jumps in. They have a huge firing solution. They fire all their like uh, they're not quite bullets. They're not quite lasers. They're sort of like charges that you know some of them naturally miss the ship. Where do they go? Is there just a random guy just like flying along in space quite happily in his space truck as I apparently am with my baseball hat on and elbow out the window like doom, 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 and with that a million bullets fly through his cab? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's possible. Realistically, it's most likely improbable given the vast nature of space in itself, but it could happen. You know, I, I've heard that space is big. I mean, really big. I mean, you think it's a long way down the road to the chemist, oh. but that's peanuts to space. I guess what they're going to do with the bullets is that they're going to have it... They've got that, that management into that management system, haven't they, that I can't remember the name of, but... Oh, the debris management system. That's the yeah, one, yeah. It'll decay. Exactly, yeah. At some yeah. point, it'll, it'll decay. It'll disappear. It'll track with me farther, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, once it's gone out of visual range, it'll probably stop being a thing. I, I just want to know if I can take my towel with me. You, you should always take your towel with I know that, and, and it's in my hangar, but I can't do anything with it. I just want to know if I can take it with me. Because, you know, you never go anywhere <laughs> in space without your towel. No, you don't do that. 
No, wait for wait for the multi crew multiplayer. Oh, okay. So that someone can be on your ship and see that you have your towel and know what a hoopy fruit you are. <laughs> That's right. Now, see, I mean, this kind of nicely segues into something that I wanted to bring up, and in fact, it doesn't at all. But I've convinced you all it has by saying the words. It nicely segues into this. So, just in a British accent, exactly, which is it's convincing. It works. Yes. Out of the ten questions for the chairman, I felt that these two were the only ones that actually provided any interesting answers. Now, I'm curious to get our audience's opinion as well, so here you go. Here's a bit of an early community question. But who picks the questions for Chris to answer? Because there were ones in there. Just to use a good example, it was, will military-grade weaponry be more damaging, more powerful, more expensive than civilian-grade weaponry? So let's just play a quick game here that I'm going to call 10 for the Jeff. Um, Jeff, what would be your answer to that one? Yes. Exactly, right? We don't need the chairman to tell us that something from the military is going to be more powerful than something from the civilian market. Now, I'm kind of wondering, am I just a little bit, I don't know what the word is, like, have I been following Star Citizen for so long that these things are not obvious to a newbie? Or are they just picking questions because they need a lot of filler and they don't have a lot of interesting questions? In which case, do we all need to start subscribing and writing in? (laughs) Yeah, I... I believe that that answer to that was given by Chris a few episodes back when they said that they want to make sure new subscribers can be caught up. And so, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be picking some questions from time to time that seem repetitive or obvious to folks like us who, like, have a podcast about the game and have been following it for a long time, but, but may not be obvious to somebody that just bought an Aurora and is just now checking it out. So there's going to be some of that. On the other hand, Lennon... I would like it to be more of a half and half than an 80-20. Mm. That would be kind of nice. You know, give give half the show to the new guys and half the show to the sort of in-depth, tweaky stuff, cutting edge, where are your guy where, where are you guys thinking about on the systems designs, getting into the nuts and bolts. Well, um, that would be my preference. Then on that theme, Lennon, I would like to buy back my answer and say I don't know. For our new listeners out there uh, of our podcast, why don't we write in and ask Chris that question? Oh, no, that's mm-hmm. an idea. Yeah. Actually, you know what we should do? You know, I subscribe. So if there are questions that our listeners have that they would like for us to pass on, I would be happy to post those questions in a subscriber forum. One for the chairman, if you will. One for the chair. One, one for the guard frequency to send to the chairman to hopefully get picked by, I think it's either Lesnick or Pew. Yeah, just open invitation if if, if anybody wants uh, the guard frequency crew to abuse the subscriber privilege, really, because it won't be my question that I'm asking, it's somebody else's question. I will be happy to abuse my subscriber privilege on behalf of any one of our listeners, as long as I think the question's a good one. It's got to pass muster by me. So uh, open invitation to any guard frequency listener. And just say, hey, one for one for the chairman. We'll review it, and if it, if it looks like a good question, we'll ask it on your behalf. But now it's time for news we didn't use. Reverse the Verse, episode 36. Rumors are the Vanguard Deep Space Fighter is the next concept sale, and there are new dogfighting maps coming. Test drive the Cutlass Black, and for a limited time, you can purchase the Cutlass Blue again. The RSI Orion Concept Vault and a work-in-progress gallery of the Gladiator are now available for all to see. Fan Spotlight. Music, volume 4. Eventually, the volumes will go up to 11. Congress Now. Kyle Polo Bill. Cutting the defense bill is always a touchy subject. 
and meet the CIG devs episode 14 featuring Billy Lord, David Jennison and the Hatalicious Megan Cheever. We are 61 episodes in and I have been missing for about a month, so I was kind of hoping to see a little more progress on things being released. So, guys, seriously, where the f*** is the first person shooter module? We predicted April, they're saying late March, so you got about another, you know, at least 30 days to go, and I'm sorry to say. Well, this is probably one for the bragging reel, but in April, at the beginning of April, it's my birthday. So you know what would be a really great birthday present, CIG? Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. So, what have you guys been up to in the last week? Jeff, you didn't go back to your old addiction, did you? No. Good. Do you have a new addiction? No. Are you pleading the fifth on this one? No. Dang. Are you Are you going back through your, le- your Leisure Suit Larry collection? Is that you don't, you don't want anybody to know? No, no, no. I, I'm. I did fire up uh, STO tonight just to uh, go to Vulcan. Oh, okay. Right, right. For in honor of Leonard Nimoy, of course. Right. Yes. Right. I'll put this in the show notes. One of the CIG guys posted a picture of uh, James Pugh and Leisure Suit Larry side by side (laughs) and they said once you see it and it's brilliant so Uh. I'll make sure that goes in the show notes that is fantastic yeah okay yeah okay I can see that I'm imagining it in my head right now and yes put a pair of sunglasses on him on James Pugh and that could work yeah that could totally work yep what have you been up to Tony? I have I worked all week. I had to travel, so I there was no fun for me. I, I did manage to on my really terrible hotel internet connect to Steam long enough to download a uh, one of my saved game files for Civilization Five, right. and then promptly fell asleep on my keyboard. Wow! So, yeah, that it was it was a long it was it's been a long week. It's been a long week here. You, so. you must be getting old if Civ's not holding your attention. Uh, well, I, I know. I mean, but it's not. I mean, it's not unusual for me to fall asleep at the keyboard while playing a, a game of Civilization. But it is unusual for me to fall asleep that early. Yeah, I was like, going to say normally it's like four a.m. Yeah, know. yeah. Usually that. Yeah, usually I can make it a few hours. You know, fifty or sixty or seventy turns, depending on you know the the tech level that I'm at. But uh, no, that one. It was like the internet's really slow. I finally got the game loaded. I finally got uh, connected to Steam. I finally got the file downloaded. And I like I did like two turns, and then I like picked my face off with qwerty imprinted uh, imprinted <laughs> backwards on my forehead. You know, I, that, 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 I I shut it down at that point. That was that was not for me. Well, you know, now with net neutrality uh, uh, Title Two in place, you won't have that slow internet connection. And you can oh, spend I'm sure. Yes, yes, because yes, motels everywhere. We will rejoice the, at the bounteous internet which, well, that will become theirs miraculously. Right under Title Two. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. Well, that brings us to this week's community question. What mini-games would you like to see in Star Citizen? Would you like more browser-based tie-ins like this, or do you think mini-games should be shown the cold vacuum of space? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Well, now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's go and find out all about the Vandal in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! A typical day on Dharma Mining Station 3 is pleasantly monotonous. Wake up from your assigned sleep pod, consume your chosen morning nutrients plate, and don your fitted mining gear. Then head to the asteroid fields to gather materials. 
During your work day, you'll enjoy the standard Miner's Union-approved stamina and nutrients recovery sessions. But on rare days, some excitement outside of the pre-planned sensory simulation events will happen. Two examples are the Midi Pineline Fever and Artificial Gravity Failure. These events are uncommon and usually do not result in large decline in station productivity. However, a more serious type of unplanned work interruption is an attack by the Vandal Raiders. Humanity's first experience with the Vandul was when they attacked a colony in Orion 250 years ago. As you recall from your employee anti-theft orientation video, Dharma mining stations are all outfitted with internal and external defense systems. What you may not know is that the stations closer to dangerous regions of space, like Mining Station 3, have a complement of combat patrol fighters. These highly skilled independent contractors flying those fighters will keep a watchful eye out for all kinds of incoming attacks, including the Vandul. They will do their best to prevent any unplanned interruptions to your ship's schedule and your stations in production quotas. If those pilots, who are not employees of Dharma Mining Company or its subsidiaries, fail to perform to contractual standards, you'll be ordered to stop work and place all your tools and materials into the safety-rated secured bins provided for you. Dharma Mining Station Security will try to stop any Vandul who enter the facility. If any manage to enter your work area, please keep a few general tips in mind. Tip number one! Run! Run very, very fast away from the Vandul. If they catch you, they will terminate your life and therefore your employment with the Dharma Mining Corporation. This would be a good time to take a few minutes after this instructional period to ensure that all your Dharma benefits information is in order for your next of kin. Tip number two, if one Vandal Marauder or squad does not kill you, the next one probably will. Each group of Vandal operate independently, even at the highest levels. They are not an empire as the UEE or a limited liability, shareholder-governed, for-profit interstellar conglomerate like Dharma Mining Company. This means if a Dharma Mining employee were somehow able to negotiate with or even evade one group of Vandul, the next one that comes along would have no reason to honor any prior agreements or likewise ignore you. Negotiation isn't very likely, however. The first post-Messa Imperator tried to open diplomatic relations, but nothing came of it. Hiding may work if you can find a work bin in your area large enough to crawl inside, but this is not recommended. Remember tip number one? Run! Tip number three. If you do fight, and if you use your Dharma Mining Company gear as weapons, and in the unlikely event that you survive, be sure to report any damage caused to the equipment before your shift is over. But remember tip number one. Run! In the even more unlikely event that you kill a Vandal, you should leave the corpse and any equipment undisturbed until the specialized recovery team arrives to dispose of the remains. Tip number four. Dharma employees are especially cautioned to avoid any Vandal knives, whether in the hands of a living Vandal or separated from a deceased one. In the first instance, it is a dangerous stabbing implement capable of penetrating standard-issue Dharma Mining Company vacuum suits. In the second instance, it is a very personal item, and it could lead to trouble. When a Vandal becomes of a certain age, about that of a human teenager, they are expelled from their family. The mother and father will fashion a knife and give it to the child. This will be the only possession of the young Vandul. Thus, no child has any right to their parents' wealth. They must start with just the knife and work their way up. Much like the Dharma Mining Company, their political system is a meritocracy. You are what you obtain. A knife taken in combat might be considered fairly appropriated. However, your Dharma Mining Company workers' compensation plan excludes coverage for injuries sustained in voluntary combat. Remember tip number one. Run! 
However, if the knife is ever taken by other means, such as recovered from a predeceased vandal, other members of its group will hunt down that knife and take it back in the worst way possible. Just remember, Dharma Mining Company takes your safety and productivity seriously. If you have any questions or concerns, please ask your supervisor. And remember, after the presentation, update your company benefit forms, just in case. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a nugget of lore some Sith or Sith taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say the liquor cabinet in his home features 14 different types of custard, and that you should never go around his house for Thanksgiving unless you enjoy the taste of possum. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he put together this week's feedback. Are we recording this mining operation? Uh, that's another one for the rim shot. Yeah, there we go. Boy, this yeah. is a rim shot filled episode, let me tell you. Uh, Amontillado says, grab a pickaxe for sure. I plan on trying out every honest way to make a living in the verse and see what sticks. The Orion looks great, but I'm thinking a smaller vessel will be a better starting point for my friends and me when it comes to mining. Oh, but back to the wreck. For now, when Arena Commander is all we have of the game, I suppose it makes good sense to protect the value of the items backers have purchased. I think you were spot on when you suggested a reason for wreck was to keep the purchasers from being upset. I think that might have been a reference to uh, Kin Shadow's comments uh, last week. This is the only reason I can really understand the decision. Once the PU is available, though, and Arena Commander slash the Simpod is not the entirety of the game, I hope CIG will make Wreck go away. CIG, when the PU comes online, divorce Arena Commander ships and equipment from the PU, please. P.S. We need an ugly knit hat with a pom-pom on top and ear flaps. Just saying. Sayodin replies to Shiv, pointing out Chris Roberts' comments about Wreck not being a persistent universe economy test, and says, QFT, quite f***ing true. Thanks, Shiv, enough said. Just put this in the feedback segment next week and drop the mic. Done. Great show as usual. You guys sounded great on Wonderful World of Star Citizen. Congrats. Great Squawkbox segment. I've actually been to that B-52 in Langley. He then goes on to say, I don't really see myself doing any mining. However, I'd like to be a member of an Orion crew for a season. I think it would be a lot of fun. My orc has some very intense plans for that ship. For subs, the work in progress picks really show the details they have planned for her, if you are able to partake. I can just imagine the grinding noises and the hull shaking as she's going about her duty, making big rocks into little rocks. It should be very cool. Ryokin writes in and says, Nice to see some softening up towards REC after all the clarifications that CIG gave. I still think that wanting unlocks permanent is a bit short-sighted at this point. You say that the grind of having to continually earn REC to keep your rentals will push people away. I don't doubt that some people will be turned off by that. I personally think that the permanent unlocks will do that faster. Once there's nothing to work towards, AC will be as unplayed as it is now within a couple of months. I also don't find the current idea of directed testing to be insulting. I simply have a mindset that if I don't want to participate in the arenas that CIG wants tested, then I won't get the incentives of playing. I still want the reduced REC in co-op swarm, but I'm not going to be put off if I don't get anything other than fun. I'll have just as much fun after REC is in that mode as I do now. 
Though with RC, I might be able to coerce my org mate to join me in some ranked PvP to really hone our skills at fighting the same Vandal archetypes as an inherent skill ceiling once you learn what to do with Alpha's elite scavengers and hunters. Another great show. Keep it up, guys. Ostron says, So I may be dense, but I couldn't figure out how Wreck is the harbinger of Star Citizen becoming a whitewashed or failed MMO. I'm also not getting why having a currency specifically for Arena Commander, or why the idea of being able to rent equipment is a huge red flag, when their intended model for earning UEC in the PU has already been described to us. I'm genuinely lost here. The mining post was a very mixed bag for me. I'd be interested in mining, and the way they're doing it does make it sound amazing. Granted, I don't really mind digging for hours in Minecraft, so my bar is not set too high. That said, I'm noticing a major lack of love for the solo player. The process described sounds almost prohibitively difficult to complete without help, and the ship they touted for the purpose requires a comparatively large crew and is well out of the price range of the average citizen. Yes, you can hire NPCs, but that, plus the cost of the ship, seems to put the barrier to entry pretty high. And Sean Newboy says, Wonderful show, everyone. I love the mining ship and would love to be a part of a mining consortium. Well, let's take a quick break here. That was the community question was answered and a lot of those posts as well as a continuing discussion on the wreck. Now, as a courtesy to our uh, return prodigal host, Mr. Lennon Rich, Hello. Lennon, what, please, please weigh in. I know I yanked your opinion card early in your episode, but I'm going to give it back to you. Here. Oh, thank you. I'll please just put that in my top pocket there. Yeah, put that so, in there. Please, please weigh in now. Weigh in. Tell us, what, tell us what's on your mind. Okay, so wreck. I feel that this is a good thing for Star Citizen. I also feel that the community's response has been a little bit disproportionate. Now, I'm not going to name names, but they mostly begin with T and end with Ernie, just to let you know where this next sort of train of thought is going. No, I'm I'm just kidding. A lot of your opinions did, in fact, echo a lot of what I was reading on the forums about Wreck. Um, But I think it comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of where we are in the game phase, what they're intending to achieve, and therefore why they're doing it the way they're doing it. Now... I'm of the opinion that they shouldn't award Wreck for Vandal Swarm, purely because... Just a clarification. The co-op or the individual? Either. 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 So, at the moment, the game is in alpha. We know it's in alpha, or pre-alpha, or whatever you want to call it. Either way, it is still very much in the testing phase. Regardless of whether you subscribe to the PTU or not, we are still testing the game. Wreck is their way of incentivizing specific testing. You know, we've all signed up to test it. They want us to test a certain function. Those that do get a bonus. Those that don't, the game hasn't changed for you one bit. You can carry on doing everything the way that you were doing it before. The only difference is if you take part in the tests that they want you to do, they'll give you a little extra thanks and say, hey, go and rent some equipment for a little while. I don't think that they should put Wreck onto the Vandal Swarm modes at the moment, purely because that's not what they're interested in testing. No doubt when they do want to test the PvE side of it, they will flick it over and make it available. And I also think that the reason why they're starting with the PvP is that even though this game will have a PvE focus, the intention is that you're going to be going either up against players or up against NPCs that are going to be in player ships. Therefore, trying to do tests to balance Vandal AI versus player ships like the Avenger, you haven't got that level of data there. Whereas when it's Avenger versus Avenger, Avenger versus Hornet, Hornet versus Mustang, and so forth, you can get a lot of data about balancing the individual ships based on their playstyles. So I think rewarding the PvP players right now is actually the sensible move, and just giving them a little bit of a kickback and saying thanks just you know incentivizes the community to go and do more of that testing. All right. 
Uh, Jeff, go ahead. Lennon, you start, start with start with Gene. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Thank you. I didn't even have to prompt it. You just, you were right there. You're in my head, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Let, let's not forget one very most important aspect of this whole discussion. It's one thing to take a client and say, we're going to test the economy and then throw in some change and everybody go buy something from the store and they, you know, sell. And Tony, help me here. I am just, I am so flustered and frustrated by this whole thing. I I got you. I got you. There's two points here that Lennon makes. And that, again, was was echoed in some of the Chris Roberts posts. And it is is a logical counterweight to a lot of the stuff I was saying. But I'm going to attack them a a couple of ways here. First one is the PvP, PvE situation. I did not sign up for a PvP game. I don't intend to play a lot of PvP. I don't like PvP. I'm not a fan of it. It's not a thing that I want to spend my time doing. I would much rather join up with, cooperate with fellow human players when the slider or whatever it is that comes out that Chris Roberts said he's going to put in there to do you prefer PvE or PvP, the slider's going for me all the way over to PvE. I'm not interested in combat with other human players. I'm just not. I understand that there will be the chance for PvP combat if you go into the unregulated, lawless areas. I'm cool with that. If I'm feeling frisky, I might do that sometimes, but I probably won't. And so that's why I think that them wanting to test PvE versus PvE or incentivize or whatever, don't care. That's not an argument that carries a lot of weight with me. The second point is is about the intention. Chris Roberts and, and Shiv and Saldian pointed out on our, our discussion thread, Chris Roberts said the intention of this system, the point of the system is, this is a quote, the point of the system is to get the weapons and other doodads into the hands of the players without having to spend cash. So every implementation, every feature in that system must serve that goal. But that doesn't preclude it from doing a bunch of other things, like beginning to test the economy, like beginning to incentivize uh, certain play types over everything else. So it's not mutually exclusive. I'm not against the system, and I'm not against a time currency. One of our points of feedback was, I don't understand how this is doomed. It's not, as far as I'm concerned. A time currency, I think, is necessary. I think it's a good thing for a free-to-play or a buy-once-to-continue-playing game You know, that's going to have microtransactions in it. I think it's a good thing. I just want to see it implemented the way I think it should be because I'm a loudmouth and I'm opinionated <laughs> and I have a podcast with a person with a British accent who automatically sounds authoritative. That's just how I roll. You know, it's, that it's is how you I mean, that's how it is. I, mean, I, I don't fundamentally hate the system. I just don't like certain aspects of it. No, but that's and again, that's you know perfectly fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, except me apparently because I haven't been here for long <laughs> enough. But I think um, you know, again, it's just I mean, I'm going to sound like I'm retreading old ground, but I think uh, a lot of people are in your position where they're they're picking the wrong distinction in why they're testing PvP. They're not testing PvP to test PvP. They're testing PvP to test ship balance, irrespective of whether it's a human-controlled pilot or an eventual AI pilot. So your game will still feature a lot of PvE, but if the mission is, you know, um, just creating something off the top of my head here, a general has gone rogue and taken his Idris and all of his hornets out, they need to know how a hornet behaves versus your freelancer, or how a Idris behaves versus your freelancer. The best way to do that is to get it from realistic player modeling, because all of these ships right now are flyable player to player. And so the best way to peg ship versus ship 
is to incentivize those who have the ships to go up against people who have the ships. I don't think getting people into PvP is the end goal here. Lennon, that's an excellent point. I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you on one minor thing though. Then they should have waited to do this until they had implemented the matching system where players of similar skills are matched up. Because right yeah, now you I'll, can I'll have somebody who's really awesome in a Cutlass versus somebody who's crap in a Super Hornet, and it's going to like, whoa, Cutlass is way overpowered. Oh boy, you know, and that should have waited then. Wolf Larson says, "Great episode, guys." Small Cap says, "Entertaining as always. Lennon's return will be triumphant, and it was." And J4 says, I know the Outland reference was more pertinent and relevant, but a Zardoz reference is always more entertaining. <laughs> Zardoz, I love it. From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, the latest Patreon is Eric! And, ra- and random.org chose a winner. Yike, yike, Joaquin Jitijong. <laughs> I'm sure he takes that in the spirit it was intended. And a reminder of this week's community question, what minigames would you like to see in Star Citizen? Would you like more browser-based tie-ins, like the Orion mining game? Or do you think minigames should be shown the cold vacuum of space? Let us know. Just send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over on the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. So how was the show? Did we find a mother load or should we keep panning away in the stream? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check for our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can always subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 61 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 62 on March the 10th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8.30 Central, and that's Sundays at 2.30 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Jordan Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Dungan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, Deep Black gets pretty lovely. Reduce thrust. Turn to 330, carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the curve. Thank you, Chip. 
So uh, again, I think it's just that people are misunderstanding the intention behind incentivizing PPPPPPP. Looking into my crystal balls that I've got between my, I was going to say between my legs. I didn't actually mean it how that sounded. Ironically, <laughs> all of that's going in the blooper reel. Oh, right. good, the blooper reel. Yes, oh, yes. Hello, sure oh, my name is Space Trucker Lennon. Yep, I'm just doing <laughs> the long, the I long haul here. Crystal balls. <laughs> and the Hatalicious Megan Cheever, who still hasn't picked a winner for us. We can record that part later if she does. I know. Why are we whispering but yelling? <laughs> I don't you, know. What are you guys doing? We don't really? know. Well, we don't know what we're doing. We're 61 episodes in and we have no idea what we're doing. These events are uncommon and unusual. So <clears throat> these events are uncommon yeah, and unusual. Do n- uh, Sorry, that should be usually. Apologize. Uh, trying to read the text and the text is failing me. These events are uncommon and usually do not result in unacceptability, large decline, unacceptable, and do not result in unacceptability, large decline. That doesn't read right. Uh, un, unacceptably. Uh, unacceptable. Is that a word? Yes. <clears throat> and usually do not result in an unacceptably large decline okay. in station productivity. And, <clears throat> and usually do not result in an unacceptable, unacceptable. <laughs> I found my word for and don't the forget week. And don't forget, you're I, doing it in your old timey voice too. Yeah. <clears throat> and usually, do not result in an unacceptably <laughs> large decline in the state. <laughs> yeah, let's just we're gonna, we're gonna take unacceptably. Yeah, thank you, Lennon. <laughs> um, just a note from our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. He just says, "Good gravy, Jeff." <laughs> Shut up! Oh. <laughs> you try doing this week after week. These events are uncommonly and le- usually do not result in unacceptably large decline in station productivity. No, 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 no. no. no do it again. <laughs> okay. You want to restart this? We can restart. No, no, this. no. I'll do it. I'll get through it. Okay. These events are uncommon and usually do not result in large decline in station productivity. However, a more serious type of unplanned work interruption is an attack by the Vandal Raiders. <laughs> Bite me. I need to reboot. Hang on, give me a sec. Ding, 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 ding. The first post-Mesa Imperator tried to open... open open that the first post messa era imperator oh, for f**k's sake the first post messa imperator tried to open diplomatic relations but nothing came of it hiding may work I, oh my god why jeff what have you done to me this is not fair <laughs> mikey just sent me a hey, message at least unacceptably has like 12 letters in it oh, hiding has it. six uh mikey just sent me a message good gravy <laughs> You like what we do? Want to come help make us? You want to come make a best damn space in pockets? Because we're sick of it, really. Come on, we're tired of this business. Do you like what we do? You want to come help make us the best? Do it again. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us? Oh my god. Okay. Whatever was happening during Nuggets has now infected me. Here we go. (laughs) Do you like what we do? Want to come help make a? Want to come help us make the best damn space in podcast ever? Mikey says, good gravy, Tony. That's right. Well, at least, at least it's a different segment. 
robotic. Do you like what we do? I'm a British robot. <laughs>